So if we don't do something according to somebody else's standards or rules, then automatically what we do is we kind of personalize and go, oh my God, they're not going to like me anymore. They're not going to love me anymore. This is going to be really bad. And we get into that panic mode. You know, if you just sit with it for a minute, like when was the last time that you remember for yourself going into that panic mode? I am so excited to be finally back talking to you all. Like it has been a red hot minute. So if you are new to this space, welcome. My focus, instead of just being on broad mental health, I've really kind of niche down a little bit in terms of ADHD. And so what I want to do every week is answer your questions about ADHD. Hey everyone, welcome to another ADHD chat um, with myself, Sky, clinical psychologist and ADHD coach. So something that is talked about a lot in the ADHD community is rejection sensitivity. And so what I wanted to do today is really talk to you about what is it, what can we do about it, and is there a difference between being sensitive to rejection and having RSD, right? So like always, like I love for you to think about what things mean for you. So before we start, you know, again, press the pause button and then check in with yourself and ask yourself, like what does rejection sensitivity mean to me? Or like what comes up for me when I start to think about that in the context of my ADHD? Where do I notice that it shows up? Who does it show up with? And why do I think it's going on? Because the more, and this is what I talk about all the time, the more that you can understand you, the more that you can understand your ADHD, the better equipped you're going to be to master it so it stops putting roadblocks in the life that you're trying to create for yourself. Now, rejection sensitivity, it's this extreme emotional reaction to perceived rejection from others. Right, so any time that we think somebody else is maybe disapproving of us or maybe their body language changes or you notice like a change in their facials or they don't do something that they normally do, like we generally interpret that information to mean that there's something that we are doing wrong and we make it personal, right? Now, if we've got rejection sensitivity dysphoria, dysphoria literally means that because of that rejection, we experience extreme pain. So rejection sensitivity is just like that really fucking sucked and I don't feel good at all. Whereas RSD, the dysphoria part, is that is so painful to me that it's almost like we can't recover from the rejection, right? It becomes so debilitating and crippling that it can impact our whole day, our week, our month, sometimes our lifetime if we don't be mindful. So often RSD or RS, and we're going to use them interchangeably today, it's triggered when we feel like we've done something to upset the other person or when we feel like we've fallen short of maybe an expectation or a standard that we know somebody else has maybe set for us. So if we don't do something according to somebody else's standards or rules, then automatically what we do is we kind of personalize and go, oh my God, they're not going to like me anymore. They're not going to love me anymore. This is going to be really bad. And we get into that panic mode. You know, if you just sit with it for a minute, like when was the last time that you remember for yourself going into that panic mode? 
And there's two ways that we kind of do this, right? And I'd love to hear from you in the Facebook group, like living with ADHD, what what you find for yourself is that for many of us, me, we internalize it, right? We're the overthinkers and we're the warriors and we're the ones who get really, really anxious. And then we want to go into people-pleasing mode and just give, 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 give to everybody else, right? That's the internalized rejection sensitivity. Now, the externalized rejection sensitivity, it might show up as, raging at the other person, getting really, really angry, right? Being just really like, oh my God, out of control, people might describe it. You know, it's like where you just lose control, like you're on the roller coaster. It's gone so far in your emotion that you literally can't control what you're doing, right? That can be the externalizer. And that's where we get into pushing people away and like, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. And that's the vibe that we get when we externalize the feeling of RSD. Now, Here's the thing, right, is that if you know, whether it be consciously or unconsciously, that this is a feeling that you experience in relationships with people, what can start to happen over time is that it's almost like we anticipate and prepare for or become hypervigilant, which means we watch out for signs of rejection. And so many of us ADHDs, we will spend our days hyperfixated or focused on other people. Are they looking at me the same, right? Are they talking to me the same? Did their tone change? Did they not smile at me like they normally smile? Did they get themselves a coffee and not get me a coffee, right? Did Betty drive past me in the car and not wave, right? Did she actually see me? Did she not see me? She pissed off because I didn't text her back last night, right? We start scanning our environment in preparation for the next rejection. And then the strategy that we fall into to actually start to manage the RSD is things like people-pleasing, right? Like how many of you are the yes person, right? And we're just like, okay, I'm just going to maybe preempt what they want from me and I'm just going to give it to them, right? Or not only do we fall into people-pleasing where we do everything that we think they want just so they'll like us, sometimes if we get into the state where we think, oh, my God, I don't think I can give them what they need, then what we do is we avoid, (laughs) Like we will literally hide from people. We won't answer their texts. We won't answer their calls. We won't go out for dinner. We won't see them in public. Like we'll run around. Have you ever been in Woolworths and you see someone and you're having a moment where you're like, oh my God, I don't know if they're angry at me or not. And you literally hide in the next aisle and wait until you can get out. Like we start doing that stuff just to avoid this feeling of rejection. Now, there's different signs that you might notice within yourself or even with people you love that indicate that that person is more sensitive to having RS or RSD. And it might be things like if somebody is more easily embarrassed, if they are more easily able to be put in that shame, like feeling like they are a problem or there is something wrong with them or they're not good enough, if that's like a default, right, then that person is more likely to experience rejection sensitivity. Somebody whose self-esteem is really low, who doesn't really feel good about themselves, who maybe has been taught through other people that they're not worthy, they're not important, their needs don't matter, that person, again, is more likely to be really sensitive to rejection from others, right? If somebody is more prone to anxiety or if we know part of ADHD is emotional dysregulation, right? If a big part of ADHD for you is emotional dysregulation, again, you are more at risk of experiencing rejection sensitivity dysphoria because you're going to be more reactive 
to your environment and to the people in your environment. If you are also someone who avoids things, like if you notice that if you have a task in front of you, and this used to be me, and you know that it's going to be hard, if you know that you're probably not going to be able to do it right, whatever that means, if you know that it's not going to be able to be done perfect, you know, that perfectionism, then what starts to happen is we avoid doing the task. Because if I don't do the task, then somebody else can't judge it and call me a failure and make me feel not good enough and make me feel like they've rejected me because I didn't get it right. So we just don't do the thing or we put it off and off and off until we're in an extreme position where we're panicking and then we have to fucking do it anyway, right? Um, And the other thing that happens too is if you notice for yourself is that sometimes a strategy or a sign that you are really prone to rejection sensitivity is if you're a controller, right? And not necessarily controlling of other people, although that can show up some of the time, but it's more about controlling of your environment. If you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to have everything perfect. I'm going to have everything neat and I'm going to do everything the right way. And I'm only going to talk to Betty when I'm in a good mood. And I'm only going to go out with Jill when I feel okay. And blah, 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 right? If we try to control everything, again, that's a sign that you're probably going to be more likely sensitive to the rejection from others. Now, here's the thing about ADHD is, right? Like what we know about our brains is that we have problems regulating everything right? Like literally everything. So what is supposed to happen with these beautiful brains of ours is information from our external world comes in and then our brain beautifully filters out the information, helps us make sense of it. So then we know how to react from our environment. Whereas in this like situation of an ADHD, if you're in an environment with lots of people, you're not filtering stuff out. You're taking everything in. So you can see Jill not smiling at you and you can see Betty looking the other way and you can see Bob just walked out to get another coffee and you can see, I don't know, Bob's on his phone and automatically your brain's like, oh my God, there is something wrong with me. Nobody likes me. And we react straight away. There isn't any filtering. We've taken all of this sensory information We've bought it in and we haven't filtered it. We've just reacted to it and gone, nobody loves me anymore. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares. And then we react on that feeling, right? And again, our nervous system gets flooded. Cortisol comes in. Our fight or flight response gets switched up and we're emotional. We're up and down and it just becomes so overwhelming. So not only do we start out with, I feel really shitty because people are rejecting me according to the story I'm creating. But now I also have a lot of shame around the way I just reacted in that situation where I felt like people didn't like me, right? So it's like a double whammy. And what happens with ADHD is it just, it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and it becomes so overwhelming. And the other thing that our ADHD brain doesn't do very well is it doesn't actually kind of balance out that pain sensitivity, right? So when we've got things coming in, it doesn't actually help us filter and control that kind of pain response. So we just feel it really big, really quick. So that becomes the dysphoria. All of this stuff's coming in. I've interpreted it to mean something bad. I've reacted in a shit way. Now I feel shame. Now my nervous system is flooded. Now I'm in pain. And it's like, fucking hell, right? Could you just like, just sit with that for a minute? That's exhausting. And that is what's happening a lot of the time throughout the day. 
So is it any wonder ADHD is we go through this thing where we're like, I want to be social. And then we're like, oh my God, my social battery is done. I am depleted. I cannot cope anymore. I need time out from everyone. But then it's like, oh my God, I'm lonely and I need people. And then we go back out in the world. And again, it's that yo-yoing back and forth because it's exhausting and burnout can come from having rejection sensitivity and RSD as well. Now, I want you to think about just for a moment, like think about your last week or your last month and moments when you got really overwhelmed by people in your world, right? And it wasn't necessarily anything you were doing or they were doing. It was more about the story that got created in between, right? Because what we want to do is create some self-awareness around where RSD is showing up so that we actually learn to have some, and I use this term really loosely, mastery over it, right? Like we are always going to be sensitive humans, right? You're probably always going to give a fuck what people think. But what we want to do is two things, learn to give less fucks, right? But the other thing is learn to be mindful of how you can take care of and calm your own nervous system. So there's a few things that we can do if we suffer from rejection sensitivity or rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Now, the first thing is, is maybe you need to talk to a doctor or a pediatrician if it's a little human or a psychiatrist if it's a bigger human about medication. Sometimes medications can be really, really useful in terms of helping us manage our emotional dysregulation, which comes with RSD. But the other things we can do, like I said a minute ago, is really practice taking time for self-awareness. The more you can become the observer of yourself and start to see and language things for what they are versus the story of what you think they are, the more control you have over making change, right? If we're in the story, it's Betty looked at me funny and she doesn't like me. If we're stepping out of the story and becoming an observer, what we can say to ourselves is I noticed when Betty turned up today and she didn't say hello, which she normally does, my brain automatically went into RSD and said to me, Betty doesn't like me. Now, what we do when we're creating self-awareness is we're depersonalizing. We're separating what is going on in the environment from your worth. We're separating what is going on in the environment from the stories that you are creating around it. And once we start to create a bit of distance between us and what's going on, it gives us room for movement and for play and for creating a different story that is more true. Yeah, but this takes time, it takes practice, and sometimes it takes talking to a psychologist or a coach or a counsellor or a trusted friend that's in a healthy relationship to help you bounce off what might be more true versus the stories in your mind. The other thing that's really, really important, and this is just like across the board with ADHD, and you're probably going to insert your eye roll and that's okay, is managing stress. You know, most ADHD is we live in a state of stress. We live in a state of fight or flight, right? And the more we do that, the more heightened we are, the more sensitive we are, the more like trigger happy we are for rejection sensitivity. The more we are learning to manage our stress and to learn to ground ourselves and to check in in the day and just, you know that one, right? Just the big breath. The more we have room again, to make change, to check in, to challenge the story, 
right? To even communicate and say to Betty, hey, I noticed you didn't say hello today. Is everything okay? Like to clarify what's going on. But if we're in story, we're reactive, we're overwhelmed, we're stressed, there's not going to be that room for movement. The other thing which I just briefly mentioned in there is communication. Like this is communication is such an important part of ADHD, right? So many things on both sides can be misinterpreted, right? Betty not looking at you means Betty doesn't like you, right? You turning up for work and forgetting the assignment that was due or the, the project that was due, right? It's not laziness and it's not that you don't give a fuck, right? But if we're not communicating what's going on, stories happen either side. Whereas if we actually feel comfortable within ourselves, and again, this is a practice, to communicate then we can almost quash the story in the RSD, right? So if I come to work again, like the same example, Betty doesn't say hello. If I sit with all that all day and I manifest it and I create the story and then I go home and nobody loves me and everybody hates me and now I'm in the shame cycle, blah, 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 right? Whereas if I practice the courage and building the muscle of, hey, Betty, this is what I noticed was different this morning. I just want to check in what's going on right? That gives Betty an opportunity to say, oh, I had a really shit morning. The kids were horrible. Sorry, I didn't even see you, right? It helps us see what is more true. So communication is really, really important. Finding healthy relationships is so important with ADHD as well. You know, as an ADHD, we can often be, as I said, the people pleaser, right? Or the rager or the whatever it might be, like the, the big emotions, that it's really easy to attract other people who have difficulty communicating, other people who have difficulty with self-awareness. And it's not that that's right or wrong, but both parties need to work on it or otherwise we've just got two dysregulated humans bouncing off each other. So finding healthy relationships, working on the relationship with yourself so that is healthy can actually help you reduce the impact of rejection sensitivity as well because then it allows for open communication. It allows for respect. It allows for trust. It allows for miscommunication and then being able to come back and kind of talking about it again. Now, the big one, which I flog every time I talk to you guys, and it's going to keep coming, is self-compassion, right? And I think this for many people will be the hardest thing to do, right? And yet it's the most important. And for me, this is this is like how I break down self-compassion all of the time. Like if you've talked with me, if you've seen me, if you've listened to anything, this is the starting point, right? When your brain is just lost its shit at you, when you're feeling like nobody loves you and nobody gives a fuck, when like, like you're on the roller coaster and you're just like going round and round and round and you can't get off, right? I literally want you to say in your head, stop. And I want you to put your hands on your heart space because that's connection to self. And I want you to breathe in. And out. And I simply want to say to yourself, it's okay. And whatever comes into your mind, it's just okay. Oh my God, Betty doesn't like me. It's okay. Oh my God, Bill looked at me funny. It's okay. Oh my God, I just did that really embarrassing thing. That's okay. Oh my God, blah, 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 blah. blah. That's okay. And okay does not mean we're not going to take responsibility. Okay does not mean I'm fine with Bill being a dick to me. Okay simply means in this moment, you got you and you will be okay because you can take care of you. That's the self-compassion piece is we're not going to make what's happening around us mean something about us. So we're going to ground ourselves. We're going to breathe. We're going to tell ourselves it's okay. And then from a calmer space, 
that's when we'd step in and say, what is needed here? Is the conversation with Betty needed? Is there a change or I need to break down a relationship here because that's not working? Is there something I need to take responsibility for, right? Like we can do those things, but not from a space of panic. First, we need compassion, connection, and to just bring down that level so we're a little bit calmer, okay? And then the last thing which feeds into that is mindfulness. And when I use the word mindfulness, again, ADHDers are like, are you fucking kidding? I can't sit still. I can't stop my thoughts. You don't have to, right? Your thoughts can be your thoughts and your body can move in whatever way it needs to move. For me, mindfulness can sometimes be when I'm walking and I'm literally just mindful of walking. I'll take my shoes off and I'll be like, okay, I noticed the carpet under my feet. If you have sensory issues, leave your shoes on. Like, let's not make anything a thing, right? And then as I'm walking, what muscles am I noticing? How am I noticing my breathing, right? What am I noticing around me? Like mindfulness is literally about grounding yourself in the moment. And if a thought comes, it's literally like this, right? Oh, I'm noticing that thought that Betty didn't like me. Okay, poor Betty's having a flogging today, right? That's okay. Or I'm noticing that Bill did blah, blah, blah. That's okay, right? But we're just letting it go and bringing it back to the present moment. And you can literally practice mindfulness like you do building your weights. Practice mindfulness for one minute, then build it up, then two minutes, then build it up. Get to five minutes. Because if throughout your day, you can regularly stop, check in, ground yourself for five minutes, can you imagine it's going to take longer for you to peak throughout the day, which means you're going to have, sorry, more space to make beautiful changes for yourself throughout the day. If you just wake up in the morning and you just go by the end of the day, or even after, for me, it would be literally like, you know, half an hour with four children, I'm idling high for the rest of the day. And so if I'm not consciously checking in, if I'm not consciously practicing mindfulness, if I'm not consciously practicing self-compassion, I'm just reacting and idling for the day. And it still happens, right? Human. But more often than not now, what I practice is making time throughout the day, bring it back down, check in, what's tripping me up? Bring it back down. Because this is so important in rejection sensitivity. Because if we just idle high, everything is going to hit personal everything is going to hurt and we're going to keep going to bed thinking that we're not fucking good enough. Whereas if we bring it down throughout the day, we have opportunity to challenge that, to work on that, to shift our perception of ourself. Because in all fairness, the way that we can manage rejection sensitivity is by shifting the way that you see you, shifting the way that you relate to you, shifting the way that you start to respect you and your needs. Because if you start giving a fuck about you, then you're going to start advocating for yourself. And then people's opinions, they're still going to hurt. I never lie to you, right? There's no way around that. But they will hurt less and you will recover quicker. All right. So as usual, I would love for you all to jump into the Facebook group, Living with ADHD. Let me know what you got from this chat. Let me know what comes up for you in terms of the area of rejection sensitivity. And are there strategies or things that you do that fully support you that you could share with our beautiful community that could support them too? All right, everyone, thanks for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.